Welcome to the Manx Theatre Podcast. Come on to the theatre. Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome back to episode 29 and the first of 2022 of the Manx Theatre Podcast with me, Neil Callan. Thank you to everyone who's listened to our previous episodes. If you're brand new to the podcast, welcome along and thanks for joining us. In this podcast, we like to try and keep you up to date with what's going on in theatre on the Isle of Man and to chat to the cast and creatives of upcoming shows to find out a little bit more about the shows and the people behind them. Sadly, since our last episode, we've learned of the death of another big name in Max Theatre over the Christmas period. Like Jean Webb and Carol Clark, who we also lost last year, Olga Gray was a former president of MADFA. She was an integral part of organising the Easter Festival of Plays, supporting many UK teams, accommodating adjudicators in her home and lending teams furniture and props. Olga was a member of the Legion Players and in 2008 was asked by Madfa to set up a drama group for people with learning difficulties. She did this with the charity Gateway and Gateway Drama has been running ever since. Now supported by the DCU and usually giving two productions a year. This, amongst countless other things, includes tireless fundraising for breast cancer research, is an admirable legacy that Olga leaves behind. And while she'll be missed, her work in local theatre will be remembered for a very long time. Coming up on this week's podcast... I'm joined by three members of the cast and creative team behind the Douglas Choral Union's upcoming production of The Hunchback of Notre Dame. We'll find out a little more about the show, and maybe find out how well they know the show. You can still listen to all of our previous episodes through all of the usual podcast outlets and at manxradio.com forward slash podcasts. Whilst you're there, make sure to subscribe, give us a like, rate and leave a little review and share with all your friends. Okay, we're sitting here in January and it's the perfect time to have a quick look back over 2021 and look forward to what 2022 has to offer. So, 2021 started with a lockdown in January and then another in March, forcing a delay to the DCU's production of Shrek the Musical. The Manx Operatic Society decided to cancel their planned set of concerts called A Night at the Musicals. Madf also decided to cancel the Wanak Festival, and as the borders were still closed, they cancelled the Easter Festival of full-length plays too, as the teams would not be able to travel over to the island to compete. As we headed into May, it all got a bit busy, with lots of shows that had been rearranged due to the lockdowns, all coming hot on each other's heels. First up was the Christian Well Theatre School's production of The Wizard of Oz, followed by Parker Snell's To Kill a Mockingbird, and the National Theatre Connections production of Wind Rush Generations just one week later. June saw the return of Hello Little People with a fantastic production of Roald Dahl's The Twits. August saw two dance shows from the Academy of Dance and Dancers Bar and the Service Players production of Marion or The True Tale of Robin Hood. Travel restrictions saw a further impact to tailoring productions in August, meaning that their planned production of School of Rock had to be cancelled, it just couldn't go on. However, this was replaced by a fantastic production of A Chorus Line. The back end of August got busy for local performers, as it was audition time for the Manx Operatic Society and the Douglas Choral Union, as they began preparations for Sweeney Todd and The Hunchback of Notre Dame. October saw centre stage production stage Annie, with some brilliant performances from some very promising young talent, definitely some names to watch out there for in the future. The back end of the year got very busy again with numerous productions throughout the festive period. First up, at the end of the November, was Parker Snell's production of the one-woman show Shirley Valentine, starring Lisa Kreisky, which we covered in the last episode. Then, as December hit, we had a touring production of two festive one-act plays called The Nativity Play and The Christmas Quiz from The Service Players. Peel Pantaloons brought us Robinson Crusoe. There was Mananin's Winterfest at the Gaiety and The Sound of Christmas at the Villa Marina, featuring children from the island's primary schools. 
And we then rounded off the year with Hello Little People's second pantomime, Cinderella Yessa at the Kensington Arts Centre, and Jack and the Beanstalk starring Jack Divers by Shown Productions at the Gaiety Theatre. So all in all, despite a false start, it was quite a busy year for theatre here on the Isle of Man. Now, let's have a quick look forward to what we already know is coming up in 2022. First up in February is Viva Manx Vegas, which is a night of music raising money for the Mayor's Charities, including songs from some of the biggest acts to play Las Vegas, and are performed by many well-known Isle Man performers. But a little bit more about that later. Following that, from the 11th to the 19th of February, the Douglas Choral Union bring their production of The Hunchback of Notre Dame, which we'll find out a little bit more about in just a few minutes. Madfa are back this year with their One Act Festival from the 2nd to the 5th of March, and then from the 5th to the 12th of March, the Manx Opera Society are presenting Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street, starring David Artis in the title role. Then, from the 7th to the 9th of April, Parado's Theatre Company are staging their first production and are starting with Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing at the King's Court Theatre in Castletown. Charlie and Alex joined me back in the summer to launch Parados, and I'm sure we'll have them back closer to the time to chat about their maiden production. In June, the service players will be bringing a production of the crime comedy Dick Barton, Special Agent, and at the start of August, Taylor and Productions will be bringing 42nd Street to the stage of the Gaiety Theatre. Then at the back end of the month, Three Lakes Productions will bring Once to the Gaiety stage, starring Lorcan O'Mahony and Grania Jockin in the lead roles, and also Manx Theatre Podcast's very own Neil King as Billy. This production is said to have a working bar on the stage that you can go up and get a drink from during the performance, but more about that closer to the time. Then, in October, Centre Stage Productions will be taking us back to the 50s with a production of Grease. Then we finish off the year with Shown Productions' Christmas pantomime, The Wizard of Oz at the Gaiety. Now I believe this is the last year of their contract, so anyone interested in doing the pantos for 2023 onwards should keep their eye out for news from Villa Gaiety for the pantomime tender at some point this year. I'm sure there will be many other productions coming up that we don't yet know about, but we'll let you know about them as soon as we are aware. Now make sure you keep up to date with what's going on between episodes by following Manx Theatre Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram and Manx Theatre Pod on Twitter. Right, down to business. They've been masked, LFT'd and bathed in sanitizer. but joining me here in the studio for the podcast is Ian Dixon, Tony Eccles and Liz Dixon. Hello. 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 Welcome to the podcast. Thank, Thank you for having us. Thank you. So, you're here for the Douglas Cure Union's production of The Hunchback of Notre Dame. We are indeed. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your characters, and, and the story. Okay, do you want to go for a uh, Sure. Uh, I'm Liz Dixon. I'm the musical director this year. Uh, I wave my arms around at rehearsals. That's pretty much my job. <laughs> Tony, uh, Tony, Ian, would you like <laughs> yeah. to go next? <laughs> uh, I'm, I mean, I'm playing uh, Don Claude Frollo, who is the, uh, the villain of the piece. Yeah, much more complex villain than in our Disney version, but uh, still very enjoyable to play. Yeah. And I'm Tony Eccles. I'm playing Captain Phoebus de Martin, um, who is the kind of love interest or one of the kind of... One of the many. One of the many. <laughs> um, love, what do we say? Lo- love rhomboid, love triangle thing that's been going on um, around, obviously, the amazing Esmeralda. And so I'm... Phoebus is kind of like a soldier. He's been at the front. He's had. He's got a lot of issues going on, um, but he's moved to Cushti Paris and um, got a new job looking after the cathedral and thus meets Esmeralda and sparks fly. So the, the love <laughs> rhombus begins. Uh, indeed. indeed. So for, for those people who've not actually seen or the, the show or have, have seen the Disney film, for instance, can you tell us a little bit about the story, about what, what kind of goes on? 
Well, it's all revolves around um, the hunchback, who is a young man who often referred to as a, um, a creature who has certain disfigurements to his yeah. physical character, and um, it's kind of quite topical, really, because it's all it, basically the whole story is how people respond and react to him. Um, um, very much like don't judge a book by its cover you know there's a scene where he is revealed to um, the villagers and there's like gasps and uh, you know and they they treat him a certain way because of his physical disfigurement and it's the development of that character through those sort of perceptions of him yeah it's all about the dichotomy really isn't it of mm-hmm. uh, public perception versus inner truth Mm-hmm. So. There's quite a few scenes where the hunchback is on his own in the bell tower and he speaks to his friends, the saints and the gargoyles and they come to life when he's there and you see a completely different side to him. So musically we've tried to do that and um, Dave, the director, has tried to sort of create some sort of different character when he's there on his own and then that's when you see his actual true self and compared to what he is when he when he goes out in the people. So Quasimodo then, played by Jonathan Slight and understudied by Liam Bean. Yeah. Um, so he obviously then lives up in the bell tower of, of Notre Dame, yeah. but he is uh, tempted away from the, the, the bell tower for Topsy Turvy Day. Yeah, but a feast of fools. Yes, very much so. Very much so. Yeah, I good. can't... Go oh, go on. I, I was just trying to say, I can't rem- quite remember why he goes down. I think he's just... He's always wanted to go. I think he just always wants to go. I think it's the fact that he's been locked in a bell tower all his life. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he keeps getting told probably... by me. <laughs> yeah, by you. Probably quite getting told by me. Just... One day you can go out, but he never gets to go out. And yeah, then, yeah. Uh, probably mentions that this is the last time the Feast of Wolves is going to happen. Ah, yes, uh, that's yes. right. That's so he's right. like, well, if it's not this year, I can never go. Glad you're remembering the, the, the story of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah oh, so, yeah, that yeah. happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then obviously when he goes down, he sort of, he sees all this colour and he's not, he's really not used to the colour and the, um, the noise. The people. The yeah, people. Social and everything. Yeah. And so then that's when he is um, dazzled by the beautiful Esmeralda, Esmeralda, Leah Carter, Vic Wilde. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that sort of sparks fly there as well, yeah. unfortunately. It's a different kind of love. It's a like, different kind of love, yeah. She is the only person that ever treats him like a person, like a normal human being mm-hmm. with any kind of genuine friendliness and decency. Yeah. And, and it starts quite quickly, doesn't it? Because mm-hmm. he comes down, the villagers all make this horrible uh, spectacle of themselves, like treating him abominably, as soon, as soon as and she comes in and stops. Face. Yeah. yeah. It starts off as a joke. Oh, he's ugly, and then they realise, oh my god, that is actually his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it very quickly turns into a, an angry mob. Yeah, very much so. Which she puts a stop to. Yeah, definitely. So mm-hmm. he's like, she's like the hero at that point. Yeah, I think yeah. that's yeah. like, like oh, oh, my hero. There's a lot of that kind of the different aspects of love that surround mm. kind of yeah, Esmeralda. Very much so, so you've got kind of very obsessive, uh, yeah, obsessive, pure passion love from Frollo. Uh, from Frollo, you've got yeah. the, I think more kind of just physical attraction but then also we actually get to know each other from Phoebus and mm-hmm. um, Esmeralda mm. and then you've got that kind of um, just nurturing yeah, quality. It's like a motherly love from yeah, Esmeralda it's this, and Quasi. It's isn't this it? just someone who actually cares for him. Yeah. Because he's never experienced any anything. agenda. Like and, exactly. Yeah. yeah. He's, not, yeah. he's not experienced um, what's it called unconditional love at all. Yeah. Mm. Apart from Certainly what Frollo gives him but I don't <laughs> think that was ever been unconditional. So this this comes then as as part of uh, Disney theatricals arm of of things. So it's is this an expansion then of the of the the nineties cartoon that they probably well certainly people of our generation will will know and remember a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's the same. It's obviously the same story really as the Disney version, but I think they have used 
quite a lot. Uh, you were saying, weren't you, weren't you, about the novel? They've used quite a lot of the novel yes. and sort of tried to feed a lot more of the story into it. Expanded it a bit yeah. more, yeah. They, they have gone into a lot more detail about um, why Frollo is the way he is. So yeah. you kind of, you don't like him very much, but you at least understand where... Yeah, you can see where he's where he's from, these, yeah. this hatred of gypsies and everything like that has come from. You can understand why his passion and in his own mind love for Esmeralda twists him the way it does yeah because of how many like, conflicting emotions are just firing through him at that point and it just turns this a, lo- a lovely positive emotion into something dark and twisted and horrendous and it, uh, but you can kind of understand where it comes from even if you don't agree with it yeah, yeah and there are some more kind of aesthetic kind of changes to for example my character yes Captain Phoebus de Martin if you know the animation he is like a hu- huge hunk of a man gold armor <laughs> flowing blonde locks blow uh, you know blonde goatee it's how we all imagine you Tony da- yeah for those of you who don't Tony don't know what I look like yes. do not be expecting this uh, when you come to see the show Six foot. yeah <laughs> um, five foot yeah five for nothing um so it's he's a very different kind of character so they have made certain changes to certain characters or to the story to kind of just I don't know, kind of give it a bit more texture and a bit more kind of yeah, realistic. Does, it, does it, it make it a bit more real? A bit yeah, more, yeah, a bit more it, t- it kind of takes yeah. the Grounds Disney it out more, of yeah. it, really. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't it? He's not a Disney prince. That's no. not what Phoebus no, would be. He's a real soldier. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so, I think you could come away from watching Hunchback and think, actually, this could be quite easily be a, an actual real story. And yeah. I think that's... Hmm. That's yeah. the point, isn't it? Yeah. Also, again, for the for the people who are coming to see the show, biggest disappointment for me was there's no actual goat oh. in the show. <laughs> so for those Never of you who are expecting around. a goat on stage, I'm sorry to say there will not be a goat. Or with hoop earrings. With hoop earrings. There is quite often a reason for not having livestock. I mean, I'm wearing my Jesus Christ Superstar hoodie. I mean, there no was a donkey. Donkeys. We don't yes. talk about the donkey. No donkey. We don't talk about the donkey. <laughs> I do. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> from track, yes. Yeah. Right. So there might not be a goat, but there are the saints, and we've got some gargoyles. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah. So amongst those playing the saints, which are, are they the, sta- the statues? Are they? Yeah, yes. they are statues. They actually do quite a lot of standing around, doing nothing so on stage, actually, and then all of a sudden they yeah. come to life. Yeah. If you've actually the been to Notre Dame, the they're, it's adorned with just massive mm. these st- these statues of these saints, and each one has their own kind of backstory and the reason they became a saint. So yeah. it's it. I don't know. Again, this is obviously a change that they've used. That rather than having the kind of the comedy gargoyles from yeah. the the animation, they've made they've kind of again grounded it in a bit more realistic and gone. Oh, we'll use these actual saints, yeah. these historical yeah. figures. To have some sort of reflection on Quasimodo and yeah. have because there it, be a it guide shows, and friends. And yeah, because it shows actually this would happen if he was in yeah. locked in a bell tower. He would have to try and find some sort of friendship yeah. somewhere. Yeah. And yeah. These, these other human like mm. figures would naturally yeah. be his. He's locked of... in such solitude that he creates his own conversations with yeah, these absolutely. inanimate objects. Yeah, definitely. And it's not an easy role for them. Yeah, no, not at all. Role, I do feel for them do. in rehearsal sometimes, you know, they're going to sing the end song and in the meantime they have to stand there completely And absolutely motionless. caked in, in makeup yeah. and <laughs> everything like it is. Yeah. You know, some of the harmonies are some of the nicest in the, in the show oh, as well. Oh, yeah. So Sound beautiful. Saints are my favourite people. Love them. <laughs> so, amongst those saints, then, we've got Alex Christie, Andy Williams, Bryony Grant, Grace Hoodless, Lauren Molyneux, and Kira. Kira Metcalf, yeah. Kira Metcalf, brilliant. 
so that should be I'm looking forward to seeing that and that's going to be I think that's going to be great yeah mm. yeah they are they, they are do, they do such a sterling job sterling job mm. brilliant they're really good and some of the other names that we've got there, look, looking down the list, we've got Chris Jagus back as always. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that's a very serious part from Chris. Definitely. <laughs> serious, yes. in-depth acting. I actually only saw that the other day yeah. and could not stop laughing all the way through it. <laughs> it's, it's also such a different vibe to the rest of the show. Yeah. Because obviously it's quite, it can be quite a dark show and there are mm. moments of light and everything. But then during Chris's scene it's just completely different it's so <laughs> yeah. funny yeah it's great uh, he's playing the king King Louis King Louis yeah. and <laughs> the of all of the, of all of the roles in the show it's the only one he could have done <laughs> it's <laughs> the only role that Chris could play as Chris yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah totally yeah, and Eddie Jagers is up very well doesn't he yeah very much so very and, much and so. then we've got Mark Doherty as I'm just going to say the Harlequin we call him Clop and Truly Foo Clop and Truly Foo <laughs> um, yes and and that's kind of a role that was made for Dockers as well really isn't yeah. it he's very much like uh, the I don't know like you say the Harlequin the, the sort of he's, he's in control the of all the gypsies and very flamboyant. very flamboyant yeah, yeah that's he's the, the king of the gypsies king of he gypsies. is the, I'm sure yeah. in his own mind he is the hero of the piece. <laughs> very much a character. But, uh, yeah, very much a yeah. character. He's a good character. If you've ever seen Dockers on stage before, you know exactly what you're getting with Clock. <laughs> <laughs> and and there, are, there are several other parts in there as well. There's there's Michael Bonner as Saint Aphrodisius. Saint Aphrodisius, Aphrodisius yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, we've also got Peter Shimon as Frederick Charles. Yes. Uh, yes. Or was his best friend. My, my young friend Frederick. Yes. Oh, we have we have an absolute bore. We have yeah. Is he like your LaFruit? Pardon? Is he like your LaFru? Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. And the oh, pair of them yes, off stage are exactly that. like that. Let's do that. Let's, let's <laughs> play it like <laughs> Let's play it like LaFru. Yeah. Uh, then we've got Kelly Firth as Florica. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, ben Gale playing Jihan Frollo. Yes. Yeah, My yeah. brother. Frollo's brother. brother. Oh, yeah. Yes. And Gary Corkle as Father Dupin. Dupin, yeah. And Hazel Thomas is the Madame. Yeah, very oh, much oh, so. And ha- I think it's Hazel's first show as well. I think it is, yeah. So, um, she's so funny. Yeah, she, she's scene. really good. She does steal the scene. Steals the scene. Really? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. totally. She's just, he's just like, oh, yeah, she's chagrin. the Madame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and Ian's scene... trying to be all serious and like, we're going to burn it. And she's like, oh, really? <laughs> and it's a scene where literally ev- like all the cast are on stage yeah. and she comes in. Steals it every time. Totally. Yep. Brilliant. Totally. <laughs> Looking forward one to seeing that. She has one yeah. scene. <laughs> one scene, <laughs> and it's mine. Yeah. <laughs> I think, though, if you look through the cast list, we've got a pretty stellar cast this year. We've I have got said lots before. of yeah. lots of like people who have done shows, lots of shows before, really experienced, like yeah. a really, really solid cast. I don't think there's anyone in this show I can think of that couldn't. Who's the a, weak link almost? A, yeah, who, who couldn't do a. Um, uh, like principal. a principal role yeah, in no, her own regard. Yeah, yeah we've, got, we've yeah. got a really, really good, strong cast this year, which makes it better when you have um, so many weeks still the show yeah, or, yeah. or and, lots of people off with you. And, and the congregation or the, or the choir, is there's, there's lots of well-known names within the DCU from, for many years as well, isn't there? So. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Well, having the choir is just a whole uh, other it, entity it, mm, that yeah. just lifts everything. First of all, they sound incredible. Mm. They really do. And so they actually will be on stage... The whole time during the show and it's it's funny because we've obviously been kind of working on things separately as we piece it all together and anytime the choir get added it's like a mini stitz probe yeah yeah, yeah. like it's like oh and then we're like oh and then we're gonna add the band oh going up in these levels yeah. and it, it it kind of lifts everyone i know me personally mm. anytime they're there it's like having a little audience in there as well, because they're going to be sat on yes. stage the whole time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so knowing that they're, they're going to be there, it yeah. kind of just gives 
gives you that little okay I kind of have to stop messing around yeah no <laughs> giggling yeah and as Tony says it, it changes the game at times I mean when I'm singing Hellfire yeah just adding uh, the choir yeah. to that Ooh. alone is just yeah, yeah. It, yeah it's, just another uh, level, isn't it? Yeah. I think the thing it was quite tricky because you've basically got two casts going on. You've got your yeah. your choir and you've got your cast. But as Tony said, up until Christmas, we've been quite separate because the choir have got an awful lot to learn. Mm. Um, they sing in Latin most of the time, <laughs> right. and some of the harmonies are just excruciatingly difficult. Um, and then we've got the cast who are working on their lines and their dialogue, and they've got scenes and they've got dancing, and they've they've got to learn their stuff. And it's only really recently. And from now on, really, that the choir and the cast are going to be together. So the choir have got this whole, wow, look what's going on on stage. Yes, they won't have seen what's going on. Uh, and no, we're all going, wow, you sound oh, amazing. Oh, they sound oh, amazing. Mutual yeah. appreciation. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. So by the time we get on stage, we'll be all like buzzing buddies all together. Yeah, a big, absolutely. long, tight One group. big happy family. One big happy family. <laughs> Every DCU show ends that way. No, that it does. Yeah. It does. You're listening to the Manx Theatre Podcast. Right, so this then is the second uh, show in a row that the DCU have done with an, an all-Ireland-based uh, production team. Yay! Yay! Because obviously, as <laughs> for many, many years, the DCU have brought in a professional director and a musical director from, mm-hmm. from the UK or, or elsewhere to set the show and to, to sort of let the, lay the groundwork for all, all the music. And then it gets handed over to yourself and Yay! the assistant director to put you through the paces of rehearsals and you have the long, hard job of all of the note bashing along with the fantastic Karen Corkle. Oh um, yeah, couldn't do without her. We love her. Absolutely love, lovely woman. Get all but this Karen. time, it... get all soon. Yeah, yeah, get all soon, Karen. Karen. Yes. I hope to see you this week. Um, Bring cakes. <laughs> brownie, Always. brownie, brownie, brownie. Cooking um, for ten, baking yeah, for ten days. It's been, it, it's been quite weird. Oh, what? Stop talking about cakes. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Making me hungry, man. Um, yeah, it's been quite weird actually. Me and Dorsey doing it for the past two years, like. For like you say, for a long time we've had people coming over to do the job, and but I've been assistant MD for twelve years, I think now. So it was only a matter of time. Yeah, we're very proud of it as well. Mm, yeah. yeah, I'm quite proud of myself actually. You I'm should be surprised yeah. I managed to do it to be honest. <laughs> I mean, but I... it was getting me annoyed because I was doing all all of the work most of the time, and the MD had come over sort of at the last minute and sort of take over, and I go oh, actually. Listen, I, I I probably could do this better than I yeah. think. I think it was just self doubt. I think it must yeah. be a bit, bit of an anticlimax as well to do all that work and effort yeah. and then just have to step back and. Yeah, and I think I found that the first few shows, the first one I assistant MD'd was Beauty and the Beast, which is oh, yeah. 2010, I think 2009, uh-huh. something like that. And um, I didn't go on stage, so I was doing the music, Alan Menken again, absolutely amazing music, and I was really getting into it, and then. Um, the MD comes over and can, gets to conduct it, and I'm just sat in the in the audience or backstage every night, going, "Oh, I really want to do. Oh, I really want to sing this. I really want to conduct it or something." <laughs> I'm just conducting to my own little self at the back of the theatre, you know. I mean, I have to I say that, that last year watching Shrek, one of one of the highlights for me, with obviously the obvious exceptions of, of Ian's Shrek and, oh, and Jonathan's donkey, <laughs> was was watching you. Down in the pit, boogieing away, <laughs> swinging the baton. I know that's it's really bad. Do you know, I think I probably lost about a stone every night. Well, I'd like to hope so. Anyway, um, I was just I was loving life down yeah. in that pit, wearing trainers so yeah. that I could have a bit more bounce yeah. to my to my boogieing. Um, I'd got um, my lovely friend Charlotte Farragher who was doing uh, props last year, and she would be videoing me and then sending it to me. I'm like, oh no, I don't want like, oh no, I don't want that, that on the screen. No. There was still a clip of that on the DC. <laughs> Facebook page. I have to see oh, that. Yeah, have to. And every time I'm having a bad
bad day, I will put that. <laughs> yeah, my favourite number from last year was um, "Who I'd Be" when Ian Aww. did "Who I'd Be." Besides the fact that he's got like velvet gold voice, and I just like get to sit in the pit every night and listen to him sing to me. You're ah, it was totally for me. <laughs> it was. Yes. Um, uh, but in the middle of "Who I'd Be," the the drum, the percussion section come in, and you've got Jay Young and James Davis, and James Davis is properly giving it beans on the bongo, and I was like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was my that was my go-to moment. I was like, yeah, I'm loving life. <laughs> Anyway, back to this year's show. Oh, yeah, back to this year's show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you're not actually going to be in the pit this year, though, are you? Uh, no, um, I think the decision was uh, was just with a bit of a compromise. Steve Dakin was originally asked to be MD, and so the two of us decided we'd do it between us. Yeah. And it was kind of, it's been kind of a good thing, a blessing in disguise in a way, because, because like I say, of having the two casts, um, it, it would be actually an incredible amount of work for one person to be doing the cast, the onstage cast and the choir as well. So Steve's taken the choir and I've taken the cast and you know, it's at the point now where we're just trying to mix the two together. So it will be Steve Dakin who is conducting and I'm actually going in the choir Ooh. because you might as well use me because I know the whole show, I suppose. Yeah, I, I think that's notice. the right way. I, I am. Didn't know that. And I'm going to have my notepad, just so that you principals know, I'm going to have my notepad, so anything wrong, it's going to go on my notepad as we're going Great. through. Great, so if we are taking notes as you go. We hear any tuts coming from yep. the high choir. <laughs> Behind the it's choir. you. Okay, that will be me. Thanks for that. <laughs> I'm now suddenly a lot more scared. Yeah. <laughs> so you've not always been musical director, assistant musical director. You've been... Yeah. No strange to the stage many times with, with the DCU. Yeah. How how did you get started yourself? What was it that first got you on stage? Well, uh, I think it was 2002. I went to see Oliver, DCU's Oliver, at the Gaiety and absolutely loved it and came out thinking, oh, I, think I, I think I could do that. And I didn't have a specific hobby necessarily at the time and I was sort of thinking maybe I needed to get myself a life, you know. Um, <laughs> and then spoke to a guy called Lindsay Reardon, who was a teacher at the time, and he I'd seen him in Oliver. Yeah. And because I knew him, I was chatting to him about it. He was, oh, come down to rehearsal. So uh, we're doing Fiddler on the Roof next. So I was, I'd not really heard of the show before. Because you went to QE2, didn't you? I did, yeah. As did I. And yeah. he was my, my year seven science teacher. Yeah, that's right. That's where I knew him from. So when um, I went down to this first rehearsal of Fiddler on the Roof, expecting Lindsay to meet me at the door but and when I walked in Lindsay wasn't there that night I was like oh god I don't know anybody uh, so I just sat down was thrust a book sing this kind of thing and then um, Leanne Paradise slash Kane came and sat next to me and she was just so lovely I was like oh god there's so lovely people here but I just from that first rehearsal I just absolutely fell in love and then so Fiddler on the Reef 2004 was my first show yeah Tradition! See, I even remember my first move. <laughs> it's ingrained in my brain. You, you realise when you run the radio and they can't see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> Slash tag arms up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's the same. I can remember the first line from a panto I did in 1994. Yeah. I can remember what my wife asked me to do before I left the house this morning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that was, that was my first theatre experience, really. And then I just... You know, when you suddenly find a group of people that you're like, whoa, these are my people? Yeah. This is where I should have been for a long time. Yeah, and the girls the girls within the DCU, there's a great bunch of girls there that are yeah. there forever show, aren't they? Yeah, we are forever friends, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and it's crazy because I got married the year before for the Renouf and now these are my best friends in the world. And I go, oh God, they don't even know what my maiden name was. It weren't even at my wedding. Why is this? Because they're my best people in the whole wide world. Yeah. Oh. Right back at you. Yeah. <laughs> Counting in as one of the girls, then, yeah? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, totally, totally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, over the years, then, you've probably played 
a few little roles here, here and there. Yeah, well, I would say minor principal roles. Yes, yeah. yeah, sort of secondary roles. Yeah. yeah. Supporting actors. Supporting actress, darling. Yes, yes. So what would you say is probably the, the, your favourite role that you've played over the years? I mainly get to do the funny bits. <laughs> I think it's probably typecasting. I don't know, but anyway. A natural um, comedic. <laughs> total natural There's something comedic. funny about her. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one. Um... I think probably my favourite role was Sister Mary Lazarus in Sister Act. Um, and ironically, I wasn't supposed to be doing it in the first place. I yeah. wasn't. Ca- I was cast in the show, but not cast in that role. And uh, unfortunately, sadly, uh, Jane Short at the time had to pull out just about a month, I think, or six weeks before the show. It was just before Christmas. Yeah. And so I was called up. I was assistant MD at the time, and it was like, okay, I think... You're the only person that knows the show inside out. You know, would you like to have a, a go at Sister Mary Lazarus? But I had the most fun I have ever had ever. I got to be a grumpy nun, and I got to be, I don't know, old and quirky. And it was oh god, I absolutely love that show. Absolutely love that show. Yeah, Tara's direction that was was fantastic. Yeah, wasn't it? yeah. just amazing. Brilliant. Just amazing. I was. I just. I remember. I. I was on my way home from work the time that she called me, and I remember exactly where I was. I was. I had to pull over in Braddon Church because my phone was ringing, and I. I was like screaming my head off down the phone, going, "Oh my god, I'd love to be Sister Mary Lazarus." <laughs> I'm really sorry, Jane, but it was really good. I mean, you did. There is. There is a good line of of crazy old ladies with Liz Dixon, isn't there? Yes. Yes. Crazy old ladies or crazy people generally. Yeah. I think I did. I did lame ears, and I was the crazy person who used to pull a hair out the front with a bit of a twitch and. Uh, <laughs> Um, in nine to five, I played um, a crazy drunk lady called Margaret. See, typecasting. That's what it is. Copious research taken for that role. Yes, machine. yes, I had to do, drink copious amounts of gin to understand what it would be like. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's excuse. Mike. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, exactly. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, I've, I've asked these the, the two boys these questions before because they've both been on, but let's just let's have a look at a couple of the, the regular questions that we know. Okay. Ask. Um, so. What is the best and or worst costume that you've had to wear in all these years of the shows? Hmm. Okay. I seem, if I go back and like write a list of all the shows I've been involved in, I seem to have been dressed as a nun for quite a lot of them. <laughs> so I would say probably the nun's costume has to top it as the worst because there are so many layers to yeah. it. it you, usually in a theatre, it's like a it's like a, a trick, you know. There's always no, never any lines. No, 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 there is. And in Sister Act, we had to change from a black five piece nun's costume into a silver one in about ninety seconds. I think we had yeah. before the end number, and that was interesting. But yeah, because I've done Sound of Music twice, Sister Act, and I did a show with Trish Varga called Nun Factor mm-hmm. twice as well. Yeah. Or I was also dressed as a nun. So I think maybe maybe that's my maybe my role in that's life. I shouldn't be that's an MD. Casting. I should yeah. be an. I, I, shouldn't be well, an I was a nun in that, in that show as well so. <laughs> that is truly O'Kelly <laughs> that is a treat to be held Big Bad Barry if only there was a video or a, or a photograph of that well there are photos I'm sure there are <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I've got a best costume although doing um, I did Oliver with Taylorian Productions and the costumes for that were amazing mm-hmm. Really hot and sweaty, so not the greatest, but yeah. just like corsets and mm, yeah. John Cumberlege has just the most amazing eye for costumes. Oh, yeah, I mean that's the one thing I'm really looking forward to because John is back for for Sweeney, for Sweeney Todd, yeah, of course, um, which is is amazing. Um, and I, I can't wait to see what costume I know. I get to wear. He's a total perfectionist, but within and then and you know it's taken him a long time to find the perfect costume. But when you actually put it on, you go, yeah, totally understand mm-hmm. it. Now. Totally yeah. understand the it. Costumes the for and... Hunchback are insane. Yeah, they really are. Mm, they, they are, are really good. so good. I mean, some of the photos that I've seen, you, oh, 
I'm yeah. Yeah. Made got, I've got a metal arm. Ooh. I know. <laughs> like, I'm like, it's like I'm the, the Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's armor, out, Tony. Like, it's a metal arm, and that's what I'm sticking to. <laughs> yeah. But there's there's bits where we have to multi-roll and stuff and do bits of kind of things and it's going to be interesting because I'll be the one like clanking around <laughs> <laughs> with one big metal arm. Like, no, you're don't, just, don't you're look just at it. You're just going to wear it not even at the show as well. You're oh, wear I'm it taking it out. Yeah. I'll, have, I'll have the sword and the metal at arm. At the sits probe, we'll hear the clunk. Yeah. Yeah. It comes yeah. in. I'm just, I'm just trying to get in character. I'll be tapping away. Yeah. <laughs> the, other, the other clunk will be yeah. me falling over because I can't walk in a robe. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, but get some heels. They on. are. It'll be fine. Just lifted up a bit. Yeah, but the costumes are amazing for this. They really are nice. You're listening to the Manx Theatre Podcast with Neil Cowan. Right, okay, here's something a little bit new for the uh, for the podcast. Ooh. I'm just going to test your knowledge. Oh, no! On the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, oh God. wow. I've got a little bit of a quiz. Okay. Oh, I'm so prepared. I'm relying <laughs> so, on you, boys. I've got nine questions. If you know the answer, just say your name and I'll go to you. So we won't be keeping a score, we'll just I will go for it. Yeah, I'm totally keeping a score. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> Right, okay, so this is just seeing how, how well you know it. Some easy ones, some not so easy ones, but, but here we go. So, number one, who wrote the book that the show is based Danny. on? Go on. Go on, Danny, you can take now, it. No, go on. Victor Hugo. Hugo. Victor Hugo, yeah. correction. Well done. Number two, which other musical based on a Victor Hugo novel? Ian. Blame is wrong. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Liz is <laughs> like, really? <laughs> Come on, Liz. <laughs> okay, here's another easy one. Uh, who wrote the music and lyrics? Alan Menken. And no, Liz. You didn't say. And Alan Menken and, and Stephen Schwartz. Yeah. Yes, congratulations. Well done. Oh, God Lord, <laughs> I got a question right. You're right. <laughs> what year did Disney's Tony? Ooh. Oh no! <laughs> you thought no, I, thought, I was like going. I have this line in the player. It's like he's gone early. I was like, I'm going to no. nail it. Yeah. He's gone no. early. Um, you jumped in too early. Though. Um, uh, so it's going to be when was the Disney film released? And I'm yeah. going to say 96. Boom. <gasps> so let's go. Well done, Let's sir. go. We won't all say what we were all doing in 1996, will we? No, no, we no, no, do no. have Wikipedia on my phone right now. So, <laughs> which I can't see. Okay. What year was Victor Hugo's novel first published? Oh. Oh, no. <sighs> Liz. Total Stab in the Dark, 1842. Oh, very close. Isn't that on its set, right? That's 1482. Tony, 1843. 1831. Oh, very close. So, in 1999, Walt Disney's theatrical company first staged the musical as Der Glockner von Notre Dame. But in which country was it staged? Germany. Bonus point for which town? Oh, here we go. Right, so let's go um, theatre town. Hamburg. Stuttgart. Berlin. Berlin. Oh, yeah, it's been Berlin. Glo- no, they've got theatres all over the place. Stuttgart's a very theatre heavy town. <laughs> Glockner means bell ringer. So it was the bell ringer the of Notre Dame in the original oh, German okay. version. Oh, okay. Right then, here we go. This could be a tricky one. How many Tony Awards did the US production of Hunchback win? I didn't give it any awards. <laughs> <laughs> How many Tony Eccles How many Awards? awards? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. I don't think I know that one. Liz is going to take a guess at five. Tony? Um, what was the question? How, How many Tony's, Tonys are doing? Was it was it massive on Broadway? Um, let's say two. Two. Ian? 
Let's go. Throw it out there and say seven. It was a big fat zero. Oh! It did not play on Broadway. Oh, you didn't... tricked Daniel oh, Callahan. Uh, did... Yeah, so it, it didn't play on Broadway, so it didn't qualify. It? Likewise, it didn't play in the West End and didn't qualify for any Olivier's either. Olivier's either. Oh, right. It, it's so a... it's only ever been out yeah. to... It, yeah. no, it's been in America. It was in America. It was in... Yeah, the first the first sort of proper one was at the I'm going to say La Jolla Playhouse in San Diego, yeah, Jolla, and yeah. the Paper Mill Playhouse in Melbourne, New Jersey. There you go. I knew it'd been in America, and I knew it'd been in Germany. Germany, yeah. Yeah, but I, yeah there's I never been a major Broadway or London no, production no. of it, so it's never won any of the big awards. There you go. Well, it's totally going to win some Isle of Man Tony Eccles awards. Yeah. Yes, it is. Right, so last last two then, and I think someone might have mentioned this. Oh. In what year is the show set? Ian. 1482. 1482, correct. What did I say? 1842? Yeah, you did. Yeah. All the right numbers. When I get that line wrong in the show, it's going to me. Another giggle moment, no doubt. 1482. Now, Oh, you didn't do too bad there. Mm. It wasn't too bad. I think he got he got most of them, but um, yeah. I didn't yeah. realise it was supposed to be. He was that young, actually, Cosmo. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so there we go. That's our first little uh, Manx <laughs> Theatre podcast quiz. That's a bit of advance oh, warning for 20. David Artist next, before we come uh, to do Sweeney Todd. Indeed, that needs to sort up a little be bit. Be prepared next time. <laughs> be prepared. You're in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Um, so I think that we're we're nearly done. But before we go, Liz Dixon. Hello. Back in. I think it was July 2020. Oh, yeah. We introduced the Manx Theatre Podcast Spotify playlist. Okay. Now, when Ian and Tony came on, they added their own little songs to it. So, Ian, we you did. chose uh, Who I'd Be. Who I'd Be from Shrek. Shrek. And Tony chose. I chose um, When I Grow Up. Matilda when I Grow Up. From I was, Matilda. Sorry, I was talking about it earlier. Yeah, When yeah. I Grow Up from Matilda. Yeah. So, Liz Dixon. Which song would you like to add to our ultimate musical theatre playlist and why? Well, I was thinking about this, but when I you gave me a list of all the ones that were on here before and I thought, oh, I'd, like, I'd chosen who I'd be from from Shrek because that was the hmm. one I boogied the most to last year. Thank you. Dancing Liz. Uh, yeah, yep. totally. Um, but I'm going to pick uh, Raise Your Voice from uh, Sister Act because uh, it just has a very, very special place in my heart. And... Um, it's one of those go-to I've got a musicals playlist that I listen to and that's one of the songs that I'm always bouncing around in the car to or singing along remembering all of my harmonies of course obviously and um, yeah very special place in my heart and I can just I can hear the people I sang with at that time and the sisterhood that we had during that show and the amazing Danny Brideson um, singing the lead and oh yeah just amazing yeah, goosebumps I mean, even now I wasn't I wasn't in that show but I was part of the, the production team I was, I was on the on committee that year and, and sitting and watching it the three four five times that I did over the, over the two weeks just ah, oh, it was just amazing yeah. the sound was it's, phenomenal it was a bit like Shrek one of those feel good musicals that everybody is walking out of the theatre bouncing mm. or bouncing yeah. to and just in a really good mood and you know sell out performances for two weeks it was nice yeah brilliant Right, well, thank you very much, Ian, Liz, and Tony. Pleasure. Um, Thanks for us again. So, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, then. It's on the Gaiety Theatre from the... 11th of February to the, to the nine, 19th. 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 11th 18th. to the 19th of February. These will be there till the 18th. Till the 18th. I'm there till the 18th. These guys are there till the 19th. Not true at all. Sorry. 
have a night off. Yeah, I've decided. Oh, good Lord. Just don't turn like, up. If I'm conducted, I'm just not going to I'm go. I'm just not going to do it. Just don't want to handle the stress of the last night. I can't do it. <laughs> but there's a, there is a matinee on the on the, on the last final yes. Saturday. There's two shows. Two on shows Saturday. on the Saturday. Two and shows then Saturday. on the Sunday, which would be the... 12th? 13th. Yeah, sure. 13th or 14th. Yeah. 13th, yeah. 13th. Um, Numbers. That is an earlier show on the Sunday. No, this show on the Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. an earlier show. Rather okay. than matinee. Great. Well... Lady and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us. We wish you all the very, very best of luck. Uh, and thank we'll see you again in the future. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you very much. much. See you soon. See you Bye. soon. Bye. You're listening to the Manx Theatre Podcast with Neil Cullen. Right then, as I mentioned earlier, on the 5th of February, we have Viva Las Vegas at the Ville Marina. This show will be raising funds in aid of the Mayor's Charities, which are Gry, Rebecca House and the Manx Youth Band. It'll be a night of music from some of the biggest names that have performed at Las Vegas, performed by many well-known Manx performers. It'll feature Gary Chattel and some of the original Follies Dancing Girls, including Laura Brooks, Nikki Boland, Natalie and Becky Dawson and Sherry Lennon, reviving some of the Vegas entertainment numbers from Follies and the Villa Summer Shows, including Copacabana, New York, New York and Viva Las Vegas. So far, the quite substantial list of confirmed performers includes Emma Callan, Jack Divers, Joey Wilde, Vic Wilde, Georgia Maddox, Damien Neal, who is currently on tour with Les Mis, Alex and Catherine Toohey, Mark Doherty, Jonathan Slight, Tony Eccles, Kate and David Cowley, Mike Bonner, Liam Bean, Alice Quayle, Giles the Magician, and the Trinity Irish dancers who will be joined by Sonia Callan and Dot Tilbury in a tribute to Riverdance. Or maybe that's Liverdance, as the case might be. Anyway, I'm sure it's going to be a fantastic night. If we can catch up with Colette for a chat before the concert, we'll certainly do so and bring that to you in a future episode. So, with that, we bring episode 29 to a close. Thanks once again to Ian, Tony and Liz for joining me on the podcast, and we wish them all the very best for the Hunchback of Notre Dame from the 11th to the 19th of February at the Gaiety. Make sure you get your tickets now if you haven't done so already. Remember to like and follow our social media pages to get notifications of upcoming episodes and events. Don't forget to check out our Spotify playlist by searching for Manx Theatre Podcast under Playlists. If you have any events that you'd like us to talk about or promote in a future episode, you can contact us through our social media accounts or by email to manxtheatrepodcast at gmail.com. All that remains is to say thanks for listening, and I hope you join me again next time on the Manx Theatre Podcast. I've been Neil Callan. Goodbye. The Manx Theatre Podcast, taking a look behind the scenes of Manx Theatre. Men actors alive for me.